Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Hello and welcome to Brian Moore's Full Contact with The Telegraph. Well, the 2021 British and Irish Lions Tour to South Africa is under the way after a delay for fueling. Um, Warren Gatland's side, well, they impressed in spells against Japan in their opening warm-up game on Saturday. But the big talking point from Murrayfield was the tour-ending injury for captain Alan Wynne-Jones, who dislocated his shoulder after just eight minutes. Gatland wasted no time in pointing replacement, which was Ireland's Conor Murray, although he's a three-times tourist. Bit of a surprise pick for many, but we'll be discussing what he's like as a player behind the scenes with his former Munster teammate James Downey. We'll also assess what his selection as captain means for the likes of Owen Farrell, Stuart Hogg and Maro Itoji, who could all well have fancied themselves in the role as well. Away from the Lions tour, congratulations to Harlequins, who entertained a crowd of 10,000 at Twickenham. They lifted their second Premiership title. That means they get won the women's and men's this year. Lewis Liner, late double. He ensured a victory in a game that changed hands and lead five times. I was there. It was fantastic, even though there were 10,000 people. If you watched it, I hope the atmosphere came across on the TV. Uh, God knows what it would have been like if there'd been 80,000. It would have been wild. We'll be speaking to Howlers Wins drum coach Adam Jones about the club's remarkable end to the season and how they plan on using this year's success as a springboard for more trophies over the next few seasons. Going to ask him as well, do you need a new head coach? Which I understand is definitely coming. I know he is, but I'm not allowed to say because um, he was setting confidence and uh, I don't betray those. As ever, we'll be answering all your questions, including the latest on the COVID crisis in South Africa. I'm delighted to say that alongside me once again is the former England Sevens captain, Rob Vickerman. Hello, Rob. Hi, Brian. You all good? Yeah, not bad. Look, let's start with the Lions' performance. Um, opening games, they're never particularly good. Um, I don't know why, because uh, there's a bit of pressure. People read things into it and uh, people are nervous, actually. But, you know, Japan are a decent team. It was a 28-10 victory. Um, what do you think of it overall? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I guess many people cite that it lines the coffers somewhat before the tour heads out, and you can understand commercially it makes sense. Good to get some people in the crowd. I think that's great, and and any rugby live at the moment should be celebrated. I don't think they'll take a huge amount from it, and obviously the loss for the injuries is significant. 
Um, but ultimately, it's, it was something that they probably had to do rather than something that would like to have done. Yeah, I think that, that's a very good uh, point, actually. Well, look, there were several uh, debutants, three of whom got on the score sheet. Byrne, Josh Adams, Van der Merwe. Uh, who laid down a mark? I, I, there are three, three people who stood out for me, but you go first. Well, you mentioned one of them. I, I like the look of Under Merver, and I know he's a little sneaky try down the side. Isn't necessarily what to expect from him, but it was on the right hand side of the yep. pitch, my left winger. So I like the fact that just just he goes around, and when you play South Africa, you need some mutants, and he's very much one of them. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad to see that he's now done in the red colours and and see how he's going to go because he's a very exciting prospect. He was up there. I thought that uh, Tyburn did well. I thought that Bundiaki did well, and I thought that uh, Sinclair did well when he came on. Um, always, what will happen throughout this tour? Everyone outside speculates. And in fact, they're doing the squad. They think, right, he's a test starter, definitely. If I'm in the same team as him or the same unit, that must mean, and everyone tries to work it out. So there'll be endless speculation. Uh, Dan Bigger, um, I think he looked uh, fairly cool, calm and collected, as he generally does when he's playing well. Um, Best choice at 10 currently? Yeah, we're really impressed with him. I think his distribution skills, and like you say, it's about combinations. Because if he's got two bangers outside of him, of someone like you know Aki and Henshaw, you need that distribution skill. If you put Owen Farrell next to him, it's a very different makeup for those guys outside as well. So I think yeah. bigger. He's looking at this as being the ringleader and been the master of ceremonies and making sure that he is pivotal in how everyone else plays, which is what I felt actually happened against Japan. But knowing that, it's not going to be anywhere near the same against any of the South African opponents. No, no. Specifically, the Sharks would be the better test on the seventh, a bit more physicality. Bearing in mind the importance of a captain in any setup, and particularly in the Lions one, because it's politically contentious, you've got to get it right on all sorts of fronts that you don't, even with captains of national teams, actually. Um, how big a blow is it that Alan Wynn has not made it? It's big. I mean, you talk about charisma, don't you, with captains? Mm. And obviously I'm from the... English girls profile where you had to always have the number four or five as captain just because they're usually the biggest. <laughs> um, but I think when you look at someone like Alan Wynn, it's, it's that presence he has. It's that global respect. It's almost like the Martin Johnson credibility yeah. before you even get on the pitch. And I think that's a big thing. And the fact that many are now saying, you know, they were shocked and surprised a little bit by Conor Murray. It won't do much for his confidence being a leader of that team, knowing that people didn't necessarily expect it. Because what we often get with leadership teams and people listen to this will be able to refer to a business sense you have really good lieutenants who you know can step into that realm and you probably wouldn't have put Conor Murray as being one of those lieutenants, you know, so it's interesting. You, how I tell you what, what changed. was your reaction to it and what do you think his reaction, Conor Murray's reaction would have been to it? Well, he'd be made up. I mean, you're pretty much told then that not only are you considered as a leader within the team, but then you've almost got your starting berths nailed on. Um, it's interesting and that will then have connotations across the rest to say the back line or leadership group. And what I find most interesting is that when the players were asked specifically and this came out, Warren Gatland said this, yes. he didn't have to. They said Owen Farrell was a standout leader amongst them. So straight away, you're Conor Murray going, not only has that gone against what I thought he was going to say, but it also puts a very different spin on what the squad have been saying as well. Yeah. Um, well, we'll shortly be speaking to James Downey about Conor Murray, but um, you brought this point up. Um, does it say anything about Farrell's chances of being a test starter if he is not going to be captain? Good question. I think it's not like cricket. I don't suppose you get in a team because you're captain. In rugby, it's very different. Yeah, You have to look at the combinations and, and how that might change things. I think Owen Farrell's biggest concern would be 
is where does Warren Gatlin see him? Because if he's there thinking he's a 10, you're going for not bigger at the moment who's going so well. Conversely, if you're a 12... Well, he was picked, he was named player. as a 10. Yeah, but I think if you look at him and his skill set, it, it benefits being a 12 um, because, you know, even with Conor Murray inside of him, you wouldn't necessarily put Conor Murray and Owen Farrell together, mm. in, in my opinion, from, from that type of style and play and what they bring to it. So I think Owen Farrell now will be probably thinking around the houses about the wider context to it. I mean, we say that. He might not actually be that bothered. <laughs> he's happy he's going. But, you know, I think it's interesting that when you talk captaincy, it's the Richie McCaw theory. Your first rule of captaincy is to get picked. Actually, yep. we've kind of reversed that model a little bit by saying <laughs> they're already picked because they're captain. The severe restrictions that are now starting to come in within South Africa, it is not going to be a normal experience. And I know from being online stewards, exploring the country, being able to go in the local shops, sort of, you know, even if they're sort of Anglophile, they, they, are, they are different, different produce and so on. It's part of the experience and they just can't, they just won't be able to have that. And, no. I, just, and I just wonder, do you think there's any chance of them becoming seriously affected mentally about that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it will be. I think just to cite your times on, on tour, and absolutely incredible to hear those insightful stories, but there were no smartphones. <laughs> Can you yeah, imagine yeah. how it might have been a different scenario then? But, you know, the wider world where everything is now captured and the Lions know this all too well from their last outgoings and certainly when international teams tour, you are, you're a celebrity 24-7. You can't go anywhere without someone potentially capturing that. I think, you know, the whole quarantine element, that's got mentally, that's got to really play in your mind and the fact that you're away from home and things will be happening and there's so much still moving about it you're still quite restricted in what you can do and I think the players are really going to suffer from that certainly towards the end where the monotony and I say I can compare it to my sevens tours I've been into but when you are in that realm of three or four weeks from hotel to stadium without the things that touring is made for I can't see people how don't pa- people people I'm not sure they appreciate this Staying in nice hotels, room service and more of it sounds great. And yes, it is great if it's an occasional thing, like a holiday or a treat. You know, when it's your day-to-day, and this sounds a you know, first-world problem, but it does become monotonous, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. I have to argue this with my wife many a time, Brian, on my three-week trips. But to, <laughs> to say that, you know, it, and it is, it's monotonous. And that's the thing that, that human beings struggle with, yet alone, 20 to 33-year-old males who are absolute alphas, who love social elements, who are pack, you know, pack creatures. They want to be out exploring, doing things. And the amount of clips you see of people, you know, doing apres ski and getting out and doing the tourist attractions, they cannot do that. I mean, that's phenomenally restrictive for people to do the rest of it. We judge them on the rugby. That's 0.01% of their week. It's a phenomenal amount of time away from the pitch. And what people also have to appreciate with the Lions is this. Say, for example, England Sevens or England Tour. You know who's number one, don't you, generally? You know who's number two. You know who's going to get 50 minutes, 30 minutes, etc. And everyone accepts them. Just get on with it. And occasionally there's a surprise because of an injury. Not the same on Lions Tours. Because they're all number one in their positions, generally, within their national team. And it's a different dynamic when they're thinking, will I be in? Should I be in? I'm, I'm hacked off that I'm not in. Why is he in? Et cetera, et cetera. And in the background, this is going on. And then you've got the nationalities and friendships and so on. Over long periods, when you get a settled team, you find a way 
to accommodate people you don't particularly get on with. You just, you know, you just don't, you're civil with them, but you, you just find a way not to be around them. Your alliance to us, that, that, you know, that isn't set in stone. They've not had that. And things can go wrong, and I've seen it go wrong. I've seen people fall out. So given the background circumstances that are going to exacerbate every single feeling and emotion because of the restricted nature of it, I think they'll do well to come out of this, you know, as a unit. I mean, and they need that to be successful in the test series. Yeah, and what's also interesting is what the South Africans might have to go through because a lot of them would normally have the home comforts perhaps to be able to, you know, explore um, what they would be doing normally. At the moment, from what we're hearing, is they're quarantined as well. So it's very much a level playing field from that regard, but things might well change in the next few weeks. Well, we've just been discussing Conor Murray's naming as the Lions captain as a replacement for Alan Wynne-Jones. We've now got James Downey here, former Munster and Ireland centre, who might be able to give us a bit better insight into the scrum half himself. You shared a dressing room with Conor Murray um, at Munster. Uh, What would you describe him as a man? And would you have thought that this is a role which he is naturally suited for? Um, Well, firstly, on on the role, I think... Everyone over here, including himself, were, were kind of caught unawares of of Connor being this um, been selected as captain. You know, I don't think anyone saw it. Even himself probably didn't even see it. Um, no one would have anticipated that promotion for him. You know, um, you see what he brings on the field. His he's a general on the field anyway. With, with nine that he controlled things, but you even kind of look at, at the Irish teams across the past. His names never really cropped up to be a captain, even if. Um, other players, such as Johnny Sexton's not there, Ian Henderson's captain aside, and uh, James Ryan again was talked about, another one to, to captain. But Connor was never a name that cropped up. And, and even, I think he's captain Munster once in his in his career, and that was back in 2014. So it's not a name that would jump out to be your typical captain or your, your you know, but not taking away anything from Connor because he's one of those players who has that. Um, such a calm and influence, you know, like such a pivotal position at nine. And I, I guess from the Irish perspective, when you had Johnny Sexton and, and Connor at, at nine and ten, they're between the two of them, just that calm and, and assuredness that you have at nine uh, that the two of them have that they can bring across the whole side, and it seeps through. And I think uh, it's a testament to his character um, that uh, Warren Gatlin's seen something in him, you know. And it's what it's do you think? That, what, what, what do you think he has seen then? Um, Look, he, he, he's one of these players. Like he's well, firstly, he's going to be your, your nailed on starting nine, and that's it. He's got a he's looked at that, and he's got to look at the squad and say who's going to start. Um, he's going to be there. He's in that pivotal position um, with Connor. Connor is quiet and he goes about his business, but he's so experienced. He's eighty nine caps at Ireland. This is his third Lions tour. He's been there. He's done it. He knows what it takes. Um, and he's a leader anyway, you know, in that nine position, you're a leader on the field when, when you're playing regardless. So um, for him, it's it's just a little step up, you know, and he mightn't be the most vocal and he mightn't uh, have you running through a wall. But I guess when you're playing for the lines, if you need that motivation, you're going to have questions asked about you. But um, I just think it's that assuredness that he has and that calmness that he's going to bring to that side that, that, he, that Warren's seen. And look, Warren's obviously... Um, picks a couple of left field things, but this is certainly going to be an interesting call. Uh, James, I mean, no one can doubt his professionalism, his dedication to standards, you know, the way he 
uh, holds himself the way I know he trains and the way he plays. Um, but he, he was in and out of the Ireland team in the Six Nations, rotating with Gibson Park. Um, do you think he's 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 bang on form at the moment? Um, I think he's a lot better, and I think. If you look at how he played um, when he had his neck injury, he wasn't the same. Um, I think he was under a bit of pressure even in Ireland. I think Jameson Gibson Park had done a great job, brought something a little bit different to to what Connor did. Um, I think Connor's got a bit more form at the moment, and he's really coming back into it and showing what he can do. I also think that you look at the type of game plan that they're going to play against the South Africans, and box kicking is going to be absolutely key. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be, and he's the number one in the world, in my opinion, at, at doing that, you know, and, and it's the bread and butter of, it's got to be on the money against the South Africans and, and he's in pole position for that. So um, I, I certainly see it that way. The centre berth, you've been an absolute banging centre yourself, 6'4", you know, 105 kgs. <laughs> Do you see the 12 has been a, been a bit of a dynamic role against South Africa? Who would you pick in the centres? Oh, massively so. And I think even with the captaincy call, you like, like with no, like Owen Farrell got voted in of um, by the players that they respected him so highly, and yet he wasn't captaincy. So that's quite interesting to show mm-hmm. that he mightn't see him as a starter. And I think that Dan Bigger is going to probably start. So you're looking at Owen Farrell as a midfielder. Um, I think you look at uh, Robbie Henshaw. To me, has been absolutely outstanding. Um, All Six Nations um, last year as well, and he's brought that form in again. Uh, I think he's got a nail on a start, and then it's a it's a matter of. Where, like, if you're bringing in Farrell, you're playing him at 12, and then you're pushing Robbie to 13, and or like, do you use Bundy? And well, I thought like, Bundy actually had a really good game. I thought Bundy, yeah, yeah. the bits that he showed, yeah. And, and and it's and he was quite a surprise selection in the lines, you know. And like, a lot of people picked their lines uh, squads beforehand, and not many people would have picked them. But again, it's it's Gatland, it's physicality, it's South Africa, and the exact type of centers you want are those. And I think. Robbie's abrasiveness and his ability to to work his feet as well, and he's got plenty of wheels behind him as well. But he's been so physical uh, and been so important to Ireland, and I think he's going to be so important to the Lions. You can be one of the top players of this, so I'd certainly have uh, Robbie Henshaw nailed down. and And who knows? You don't you don't have too much time to um, to create a different type of partnership with another centre in there. You don't have that time. Um, so perhaps the natural selection of, of himself and Bundy who have played together uh, one in Ireland and, and a Connacht beforehand uh, as well that could, that could play into the hands too What about Byrne Ty Byrne I thought he um, he'd be more and more impressive the more I've seen of him actually Yeah I stand in the year this year you know and you kind of see what he's done for Munster and um, he was so so good you know and why they took him back from Scarlet's and He's hit the ground running, but he just offers that. He's a line-out option. He's got that abrasiveness around the breakdown and uh, even a left, a big Gaelic left foot he, he put in there at the weekend. But <laughs> I, he, he's certainly an outside chance. And you've, he's some of the players, I think, and he was certainly one at the weekend who you're not going to get too many opportunities to impress um, Gatland in, in a couple of weeks because they're going to try and change that squad. So when you have that opportunity, you've got to try and take it. And yeah, I completely agree with you. I think he's... He's certainly able to shout and you could look at the bench and say, we need someone who can cover a few positions and he could be that guy. Just a final question before you go. This is going to be a tour unlike any other Lions tour because of the COVID restrictions. The Lions tours I've been on, the, the, the nationalities, whether people think this is cliched or not, it is true. They have different characteristics and the characteristics of the Irish and the tour that I've been on is that they're gregarious, they're outgoing, they like to be out. Do you think the Irish players will find 
the uh, restrictions particularly intrusive or, or will they just simply w- w- wave it away? It's an interesting question. I think it's going to be quite, like, it is extremely unique. I think the only thing that, if they'd gone into this and they hadn't been kind of in lockdown and in their bubbles already, I think I would have found it extremely difficult, I really do. Um, but I think given the, the past 12 to 18 months that's gone behind, um, they're used to it at this stage, as, as used to as you can get, you know, and they're, they've adapted to it and they've played in front of no crowds and it was strange at the start, but I think now everyone's adapted to that. Mm. Um, and I think that it's, it's, it's not going to be different when they're over there. And look, you, you might get, I'm sure you're going to be stuck in a hotel and might get a bit of cabin fever and I'm, they're going to have to come up with ways to keep everyone entertained and changing roommates and stuff like that just just sort of change the monotony of the day um, and that'll be different to keep the focus but look, professional players these days and they're well used to it I think Thanks very much James look, we, we, won't we, have long, we won't have long before we find out whether all these decisions are good or bad it'll be outcome biased um, but thanks for your input Rob, I, I spoke with uh, Sir Ian McGeechan a few weeks ago uh, and he stressed in his decision um, with uh, O'Connell and Johnson that uh, he wanted a physically imposing captain when he was touring South Africa. He wanted them to look up at the, at the handshake and the towing cost. Now, um, that's not going to happen with Conor Murray. Um, do you think there's anything in that? It goes back to the theories about having to have second rows as captains, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, you're not often yeah. in because of your talent. It's yeah. more of your charisma. You're big. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, you've played with a few good guys as well. I think it's really interesting psychology. I think for South Africans, it is that very much physical nature. They're abrasive by the way they play. Um, and imposing. I think that's the thing that you want to almost match that. And I get Geach's philosophies and theories. However, if you were to put, say, a Manu or a Jason Robinson or someone not as tall, but equally as dangerous, mm-hmm. I still think you'd have that lure of charisma and fear of them. You know, Mike Tyson, I can't think of one person on the planet that would have been scarier as a head-to-head, and he wasn't a big bloke. No, um, not, so for, no, not get, for heavyweight. Right, yeah. You don't always have that imposing element, but I completely get the psychology, and it makes for a great story. What about this? And this is also true. Management of the referee. Big role for a captain now. Got to be done right. Disaster if it's done wrong. Mm. Um, got an inexperienced captain with uh, Conor Murray not that he doesn't talk to referees because I've seen him <laughs> so does Johnny Sexton a lot yeah. but um, how do you see that aspect going? See that is a far more interesting question than mm. the physical uh, yeah. interpretation of it because that relationship could not be more pivotal in the way that the game's going I don't think you're going to get referees to sway decisions necessarily but just having that rapport and picking a quieter guy might actually be a really clever ploy. Mm. Um, and I'm really intrigued to see how those conversations are going to go because, you know, as with the players, the referees are going to be quarantined as well. They're going to be in very small circles. So those conversations couldn't be more relevant. And I think Corner Murray's, I've just heard from, from James there, talk about his calmness. Yep. You know, he's not going to get riled. He's not going to shout in your face. I'd be interested to know if he speaks much French. That'd all be quite interesting. I tell that you what, and look, this sounds silly, but if you did speak French or even, you know, a rudimentary French, it, just out of pure human, you, you mean, someone like, a, you rapport, know, it's, it's, rapport. It, it's rapport and, and they, they appreciate the effort. Unless they're Parisian, obviously. Um, but then, <laughs> then they just spit on you. But the, um, the other thing, when they, I know this sounds utterly bizarre, but it's not. I've always said 
If you're a, f- a fullback captain or a centre or even fly half, when you speak to the captain, you have to come running in because generally the referee is right next to the breakdown because that's where he has to be. If you're a forward, which you're there, and a swim half, you just have a word out the corner of your mouth. But every time you have to run in from centre or whatever, people see you coming in, the referee sees you coming in, he's like, oh, yeah, what is it again? Um, whereas you don't necessarily even register the comment that comes from just the side of you. And I think, you know, th- these are small points, but I think they're all, they're, all, they're all relevant. And Conor Murray will at least have the proximity to be able to do that in a, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a more subtle way. And what, say, five of the top ten referees at the moment are all ex Yes. So there's clearly that link that they're, you know, they're the ones that experience it, that they know about the forwards, they know about the back play. Yep. You know, and like we say, rapport in any type of business, any type of work, it's so important. And if, if Conor Murray's going to offer that, then I think that's a really interesting angle to look at it. Well, we've already talked about Owen Farrell and what the non-captaincy might be for him. I don't think it affects people like Stuart Hogg or Maori Toji uh, because whilst they were potential captains, I think their uh, starting lineup place is probably secure anyway. I just wonder whether they'd have had any expectations. I think the, the biggest thing that's come from it is when the players were asked to vote and they made this public that it was out and out own file that was seen as Why do you out. tell you what why do you think he made that public because that's, that, that is such an interesting question because everything that Warren Gatland says is for a reason Oh absolutely never but people listen he never ever says anything that he doesn't mean or off the cuff has not planned It's like oh people say about the best public speakers the best ad-libs are the ones he practice most and I I'm still because that's created a a story which is now being linked to other stories, which is a talking point which he need not have had in in the conversation. So I wonder why he did. Have you any idea? No, absolutely not. I mean, it's talk about Eddie Jonesism that's famed for <laughs> yeah. in the media. Yeah. One of those, isn't it? It's almost you've yeah. thrown that in there to completely throw people off. People yeah. have torn it to pieces. Yeah. And then suddenly, Conor Murray's appointed. So is it a, a, a Lee impression? Will that build pressure for him? Would that then make Farrell question? I mean, the psychology of it all is is phenomenal i'm not sure how much psychological support these players are actually getting in south africa but i'd say that that would be one of the most important roles to fulfill see the other thing is now this is out in the public domain if we're having these questions about inconsistencies the press will bring these up time after time at press conferences and he's gonna have to deal with those and a significant well (laughs) well, even or someone else will um well i tell you what we'll find out because this will definitely not go away look the South Africa itself, as you said, three of them have tested positive for COVID despite being fully vaccinated. Um, the country itself went back into a two-week stage four lockdown last night, which means this. If you don't know what a stage four lockdown means, it's this. All gatherings are prohibited indoors and out. Public spaces remain open, but gatherings are not com- permitted. So why do they keep them open? But anyway, uh, curfew is from 9 p.m. to 4 a.m., all Non-essential facilities are closed by 8pm. All sales of alcohol are prohibited. Uh, travel in and out of Gauteng is not permitted for leisure purposes. I don't, you could say this is not, this is not leisure, it's business. Uh, restaurants can only do takeaways. South African schools are going to close early for the winter holidays and some operations are being delayed so that COVID patients can get hospital treatment. The South African government has confirmed the tour can go ahead. What worries me is, as I understand it from some of my South African friends, and they, and 
talked to Bob Skinstead about this. When this first started, they were a bit sort of blasé about it because he said particularly because public transport like London, where people are crowded together, is not the same in South Africa. So you haven't had this, 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 these huge um, uh, uh, transmission variables. Now it's started and they're beginning to understand it. It's got serious. They're getting more and more worried, which is why this is here. And I just, just wonder if it turns worse, where they will go on this. Do you think there's any possibility? I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's, an, it's an impossible question in one way. Um, but is there a prospect of it being cut short? It's, the, the, the overriding question is, they've said the tour can go ahead, but I guess should it go ahead? Mm. And about to embark on a trip to Tokyo for three weeks, the Olympics. I, I'm, I've had this question a lot. You know, I think morally there's, there's a lot to be said for these multi-sport events or even, you know, the Lions tour going ahead. I think there's certain things that are happening in terms of the health provision in South Africa that we can't really understand. I mean, until you've flown over a Cape Town or a Joburg and seen these shanty towns, seen these whole well, incredible... That... But, but that's the reality, isn't it? That we might, we might see it with our provision here. We have to understand it's a very different affair in South Africa. What people listening have got to appreciate is even on the worst council estates in Britain, you have houses. They might be dilapidated. We have walls and whatever. When you go into some of the shanty towns, there are literally bits of corrugated iron and wood and cardboard. And that's where people live because that's the way it is for lots of people. When you've got people so close with no sanitary facilities, um, you know, no, the water supply is difficult and suspect, you can't have uh, the same uh, restrictions in mind to try and stop the transmission because it's almost impossible in those circumstances. And all you can do is, is effectively gate people from each other and say, well, if you're in that bit, you've got to take your chance, but we're not going to have uh, point B and point A mixing. So I, you know, I really do. I mean, there have been, been um, rumours that it might just be the three tests now. In Cape Town, uh, that's what they're saying. That mm. will, you know, if, if that was the case, I, I wouldn't put much store by the result because it's very difficult to have effectively... You know, South Africa haven't played for two years. Whilst there's lots of players there, it won't necessarily be the same uh, fluency. It certainly won't be, and the same people there. What? What? How would you? How would you view uh, Alliance to a if it came down to that? Well, I've always said along the lines of when it was muted, probably about two months ago, that a UK-based tour essentially would have been a better option because of the safety provision and having seen and crowds Africa, and, and crowds, yeah. Which obviously then we didn't know, but now you could have. Wembley's at 60,000 at the moment. So it would have been that piloted scheme. Until you really see South Africa and a true representation of South Africa, it's very hard to make the judgments based on what we see here yep. in our UK bubble where there is provision for everyone. Um, and I think that's something that plays on my mind a bit when we look at these types of restrictions coming in because to ban alcohol uh, in, a, in a place that it's quite, you know, relevant everywhere, it, it's a big statement and, and there'll be... There'll be some looking at this South Africa tour thinking it's a little bit elitism, and I think that's got to be a concern yeah. politically as well. Well, if you'd seen the Harlequins come back against Bristol Bears, you could have asked, and I did ask, and many people did ask, is it possible to do that again? I, you know, I had my doubts because the effort that Quinn's put in must have drained them physically and mentally, although it will have given them the confidence they could beat anyone. 
Well, in an extraordinary final, and I was there along with 10,000 people, Quinns were just outstanding. And I don't think that's hyperbolic. Um, they showed tremendous amounts of character and lots of other things. Uh, one of the men who was responsible for putting them that, in that position is our guest, Adam Jones, the former Wales prop forward and Harlequins scrum coach. Hello, Adam. I am. Are you right? I understand. You're going back to us. Are you, are you sober enough? Um, yeah, I, well, I left until midday, so I thought I'd... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mate, but, uh, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I looked right to the bench and you, uh, Flannery, uh, Nick Evans, and I could see you living every play of the game. But what did you genuinely think when Exeter took the lead just about 15 minutes to go? Um, oh, look, we were... It's obviously it's, you know the sort of champion side, and you know they kind of you know they're going to come back and you know and uh, challenge you and you know that sort of thing. But we although we we know we can torturize and we know if we could hold on to the ball you know a bit better than we had, then we were going to cause them a few problems. So yeah, we oh, look we know the attacking players we got. So we there was there's always especially after the game against Bristol, there's always that um, you know element of ah well you know we can we can. When we turn it on, we can turn it on pretty well, you know. So, no, we were, I wouldn't, you know, obviously we've been nervous, but we were still pretty confident we could still get a job done, yeah. You talked about the attacking flair, and that has been a hallmark, but we all know, involved in rugby, you can't do anything if you don't have the ball and your set plays are not secure. Joe Marler, who played for nearly all the game, including the most of the extra time last week, he was again. Um, well, he was, he was made the man of the match, but he, he was again, he was a mammoth performance. Can you tell us, have you got any insight into what he says on the field? Because I was just watching him on the screen and he was constantly talking to everyone. He's, he's um, well, we all know he's a world-class player and you know, we've been lucky that you know, he didn't want to go into the sort of COVID bubble with the English. You know, he's, uh, he's been a sort of professional player now 10 years and he, you know, he's played at the highest level, so he knows how to look after himself. They get most of it on Saturday. Oh, he was he was phenomenal, and this he's been so good for us. And he's been, uh, you know, Baldwin, Wilco Lowe, we got um, yeah. you know, Joe Gray coming on, Will Collier, Santi. We got you know, I feel for Santi because he didn't get on when when Marla's going so well, you know, and you know he can turn the scrum on whenever he wants, and the sort of physicality and the presence on the has on the field as well. He's uh, you know, and he's got he's got a good engine, but such a big bloke to be fair to him. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're aware of this about the the head coaching position and the, the vacancy being filled. But lots of people have been speculating about what you have or haven't done with players and setting them free and using various descriptions. What has been different, you know, when, when the Paul Gust had departed? Well, we've, you know, we haven't changed. We changed certain things around, you know, training and little sort of, you know, um, just things about meetings, you know, meetings and stuff like that. But nothing, oh, look, what we have done is... Nick has taken on the attack. Um, you know, he's he's coaching now. He's obviously le- you know, he's a legend of the club. He knows what the DNA is about, and he's and you know he's and the boys and he's tapped into the boys and tapped in how they want to play. You know how we you know they want to play with the ball in hand. They want to attack, and you know it's, it's you know you know it's like you know, mm-hmm. it's it's in the club's DNA to go like that, and uh, and that, that's been the big thing. You know, the, so as soon as you get like. Um, it's as if the shackles come off Marcus and these guys, and it's just you know, and they've taken it. You know, we you know, we sort of facilitate the the training sessions, kind of plan in place, give give them the you know the rundown of the opposition and you know what's going to work and what's not going to work against them. You know, and then the boys put it on the field. And uh, no, it's been, oh, we and we work well together as a group. 
and you know myself, Charlie, Nick, and um, Jerry with Billy as well, and well, and Jordan Turner Hall now. So now we work well as a group. So we, you know, there's no. I think the fact that we're winning, you know, perhaps it'd be a bit more stressful if we're losing. But you know, we doesn't mean any particular any big arguments. You know, so we kind of trust each other, do our own job, and um, you know, it's kind of a benefit to us on the Saturday. Then. Just to go about the coaching you've mentioned there, because you've got all ex-players. Now, there's a lot of talk about there's been a new way of playing and a bit more freedom. Do you as coaches apply a different mindset to perhaps other coaches because you've had that experience playing the game so so recently? I think you, you kind of understand what the players are going through. And what, what I will say, our medical and S&C departments are excellent. Um, Mike Lancaster and Gaz Tong, who head up those departments, they're, they're brilliant you know, around the boys and looking after the boys and managing the boys and, and how... So we, you know, we get a we get a lot of help. We we um, but the thing because we've because um, we all helped to play pretty early. Well, we retired that long ago. We're all pretty new to it. So uh, Jerry's will be the coach the longest, but and he's not been coaching that long either. So we have to get a lot of guidance. You know, Billy comes in and uh, you know helps us out and sort of he's been around the block a bit. You know, he knows his stuff. So Billy comes in. But as I said, uh, we get a lot of help from the S and C medical staff around, and that just, just uh, we've worked well as a big sort of collective really. Adam, uh, we'll let you go. Um, congratulations. Yeah, give my best to all uh, the, the people there. It was thrilling. It was well-deserved. Well done, mate. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. Rob, you talked about the DNA. And I, you know, I, I was at Quinn's, and, and, and yes, they do fancy themselves as, as stylish. Not always been the case. Um, but there is no doubt that they have this feeling around there. To me, it's like this. If you're going to play that way... You'll always be worth watching. You won't necessarily always be successful because there are high risks in this and there are fine margins. Do you think it's a it's a style? Well, first of all, do you think it exists? And if, if it does, is it something that you can replicate continuously? It's a mindset. I think that's a big part of it. And as Adam mentioned there many times, it's about giving frameworks loosely to these players who are exceptionally gifted individually that collectively work very well together. And it's any type of business, any type of sport or structure, you set parameters, you want to give autonomy and let the players really run it and own it. And knowing Marcus Smith and some of the coaches he's used personally and professionally, you do not want to limit that guy because he just sees things in a different way. It's like your quarterback. Let him be exceptional. And, you know, I think the mindset piece, just to go back to it, four minutes into the final, they got a penalty where everyone on the planet would have thought that he kicked it. And they didn't. They kicked to the corner. And, and as a result, they get the first try. And, so think, and it wasn't a conservative kick, was it? He went right for it. You know, five metres from the try line. Exactly that. And I think that happened towards the end of the game where, yep. again, they got the penalty tapped and then Don Brandt got over. So... I talk about mindset a lot whenever I speak with you know with coaches or, or people or, or sports teams because it can envelop you. And once you get that dynamism and belief, yes, you're going to lose games. Of course you are. But it's a really positive trend. And not only will people love to watch it, people will love to play in it. Mm. And that was kind of my steered question to, to Adam about ex-players coaching because they know what worked for them. You know, and it's it's such a relevant conversation for these young players who are 20, 21, 22 who have lived a very different sheltered professional life than perhaps even they had, and most certainly that the generation older than those lot had. So I think when that disconnect happens, it's like parents and kids. You need to understand how to speak to them and how to treat them. Well, I, I wrote a bit about Marcus Smith and his contributions. 
One of the things I said to a guy I was with, just happened to be from DHL, I said, if you watch him play, and people talk about footballers as well, play with their heads up. I said, he is not looking at his immediate surroundings because he knows that he's beaten this player or that player or that gap is there. He's looking beyond, he's seeing the backfield and what is there. I said, there are very few players who do that. You, quite often you're, you're so aware of people around you and, and he's got a confidence and aura and an ability to see a wider picture and just the, the, the immediate is, is taken for granted with him. But I was impressed by the fact that he didn't shirk a tackle. All right, he might have got run over a couple of times, but he stopped the man eventually. Um, he went into Rooks. Crucially, on uh, the, one of the last plays before the last try, he went in there, you know, as a, as a clearer and, and, and did a job. And, uh, you know, he, you only have to get that wrong and the ball is turned over as a penalty and you stopped dead. And he did that several times. I thought, you know, as an all-round contribution, a lot of the criticisms that might have been, that were made of him, when he started, he's slight, frail, defensive, all that sort of stuff. He's answering them in a way that he's now becoming, um, unless you're dishonest, you, you can no longer say these things about him. No, and he probably should get frustrated at Johnny Wilkinson there to think the conversation well, Wilkinson ruined it for everything, didn't he? Yeah, he was, he did, no other fly-offs done that. Never. People say, never. you do this, well, wait a minute, no one else did that. Yeah. Johnny putting in shots has not yeah. helped the wider world, has it? But I think you don't pick Marcus Smith to clear out Rooks or to make the big hits. You no. didn't get him because he's exceptional at knocking defences. Yep. What we should probably also caveat with is he's had a very structured team throughout the year where yes. he's got a freakish number eight. He's got a nine who understands the game better than any other nine on the planet with Danny Kerr. And he's also got a six foot five, 17 half stone centre, three yards to his left. So that's your out. And you know very much if you have those things around you, then the rest of it, you can scan, you can absorb. And what I like most about him is he's really taking on this leadership position of bossing people around. And, and that's where you'd certainly say from any successful 10 you've ever played with or seen play, they command so much more than their own game. You could have made a, a case for, 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 for care for being a lion, couldn't you? No, sorry, started. Oh, I did. I did yeah. do. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah. Um, I did do. And then I was one of the first to kind of text him when I saw the... Um, the announcement that he wasn't made it and he genuinely thought he was in, you know, it, it was hard for him to hear. And yeah. I do think he offers something completely different. He's not going to make the big tackles, but that's not why you put him in. Yeah. If you want a 15, 20 minute spell of pretty much sheer excitement and enthusiasm, yeah. then he's your man. Before we take the questions, you were at the Olympic Sevens qualifiers recently. Yes. What was, it like? what was the feeling amongst the athletes you know about heading into well they've been delayed but they're heading into the games it's such a different conversation when you're immersed in rugby from a young age where all you think about is playing the you know the big rugby settings the conversation changes to suddenly been in front of 2.3 billion worldwide audience and that's very hard thing to comprehend for these players the concept of getting to a games is phenomenal and 95 percent of people at the olympic games don't actually intend to medal they're just there for the experience so as soon as you see the elation on the faces obviously juxtaposed with the devastation on the other side of the pitch. It's just amazing. But what makes it even more special, and this is for the men specifically, is this Irish journey where five years ago there was no Sevens programme. Mm. Now they're about to go and represent their country and nation in the Olympic Games, which is just a ridiculous conversation, isn't it? And, 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 I, and, I, and I do know because um, my wife worked for the... Um, uh, British, um, British Athletic Association when the games, 2012 games were here. So I was fortunate enough to not only have a press pass, but go in the Olympic Village and whatever. 
And I am uh, the, the the experience for athletes, and and certainly ones who are non-traditional Olympians, is absolute. They they can't believe what the atmosphere is like in Olympic Village. No, and it's just rubbing shoulders with champions, isn't it? And it's really strange because. Even in that bubble of the elite, the best people on the planet at sport still revere the people that are walking around them that yep. are the superstars. So it's yes. almost tear as well. You know, so some of the GB guys last time having a bit of lunch with Andrew Murray. And for them, it was just this incredible moment where you'd yep. never get cross-sport associations. And rugby is a very isolated game yep. traditionally. You don't yep. tend to you know, go to many places where there's other sports people. So wonderful to see that camaraderie grow and suddenly and team bgb specifically you're into this different network of people and organizations and different badge and there's so much to that and that's what i love the spirit of um the draws just out today actually the pool draws so so i like themselves going to a pool with south africa usa and kenya so they're gonna have a tough old slog when they get but it's just getting there isn't it that's the thing we celebrate well time to go to one or two questions one from Stuart. Should Warren Gatland be on the phone to Joe Marler, asking him to consider joining the tour? Well, Joe said no <clears throat> for reasons which won't change. Playing-wise, absolutely no doubt. Yeah, I think when you look at what the players are now signing up to, they're obviously in a very different mindset. And I think these players like Joe Marler, who have other things in their life, they're, they're not going to do it. And yeah, form-wise, you'd want him there, but... Clearly, he's got to be mentally putting himself in the best place, and I don't think that'd be good for him to be on tour. Unless he had his leaf blower, he might be yeah. all right with that. Uh, one for you um, from Stephen: Why Smith not on England regular and Dombrand? Good question. Kind of asked Eddie what, that one as well. Specifically, I think in some ways it's I'm getting more and get more difficult to understand, isn't it? It is, but at the same time, looking at what they've done this year, they would not have achieved if they took them out for three months. And Fair what enough. the worst case scenario would have been, take them out like a a dog woo, and not played him. Yes. <laughs> so I think it's great they've had this incubation. What I'd like to have seen is this promotion of the summer tour and yeah. to ex- extend that a little bit and get those younger players in that environment. And yeah, you would say li- Liner should be in that mix as well, you'd say. Get I mean, the summer, quick. the summer tour is going, uh, you know, along. You can, you can, you could take a lot of store, you can put a lot of store and drive on them, or you can just say, just say, get this out of the way. And I, I'm not sure in the, this context with all the different uh, restrictions and the circumstances that it's not going to be one they just say, let's get this, you know, this is a one we just have to get over. Um, final one. Important one, actually. Is this style and do Quinns playing it have a chance to win in Europe, bearing in mind top 14 sides and the way they play? Uh, I mean, you've got to look at the last two games Quinns have played has been slightly isolated for me. The fact they've been played in June really helps the case. Yep. You're not going to get that success if you try and Good advert for summer rugby, isn't it? I keep saying. Yeah, anyway, well, on. exactly. I, <laughs> yeah. That. I don't think you can play like that necessarily all the time, uh, sadly. I'd love for that to happen. But if you play against these brutal top 14 teams who are just going to grind you down, or even domestically, like a Saracens, you try mm. and play that against the Saracens, you'd have a very different outcome. Yeah. So it's been the perfect storm. Throwing the fact that the tackle height's been a really mute point, so there's been more offloads and more freedom, and you know, the, the, the perfect storm for Quinns has happened this year, and I think it'd be very difficult to replicate that again next year. Well, that's all we have time for. We could have gone on a lot, lot longer. Um, thank you for joining Brian Moore's full contact with the Telegraph. Huge thank you to my co-host Rob Vickerman and to my guest James Downey and Adam Jones. If you've enjoyed this episode, why not uh, subscribe or register? 
Uh, it's all free, and you can check out some of our previous episodes, including our ministry's Brian's Lines, where I've been looking back on previous Lions tours with those who have been there and done that. I'll be back next week for all your latest Lions tour news and beyond, but until then, it's goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>